0: Lord God, thank you so much that you are magnificent, creator, and you love us. You sent Jesus to die for us. Thank you. We look forward to rejoicing today and having that loud sound be turned down. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hey, we're so glad you're here. Labor Day weekend. Couldn't you guys find anywhere to camp? What's up? (laughs) Well, as you've heard earlier, this is supposed to be Charlie's big announcement, but he's in no shape to deliver the announcement right now. So I'm pinch-hitting, and uh, I want to talk to you today about Jesus. (laughs) How do you feel when somebody says Jesus is the only way to heaven? In here, it's okay, right? How about coffee shops? You say it much there? Ooh. <laughs> the, the PC police may be out. You better be careful what you say. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Wow, I don't know if that goes in polite conversation. But what if I told you Jesus never said that? Yeah. In our day of uh, all religions leave the same place. All religions are the same. It's uh, really dangerous to be saying stuff like, well, this is the only way, that's the only way, or Jesus is the only way to heaven. You can be called narrow-minded, bigoted, even. That could be called hate speech. Not making it up, right? All right? All religions are the same. Well, are they? We sort of have this consensus, and no one's really doing much to check into it to see if it's true if all the religions are the same because people spend way too much time watching cat videos and you can't you can't check out theology when you're uh, on the internet watching cat videos, right? So all our religions are the same. And if they all are the same, how does that make you feel what do you want to do? I think it makes most people feel pretty confused. And it's kind of like if they're all the same, why bother? Why bother? In fact, where, you know, where are they going? I mean, what do you have to do to get involved in some, one of these religions or spiritual paths? Seems like a lot of trouble, a lot of bother, a lot of expenditure. How do I know it's not just man-made rules of organized religion? How can I know which one? Oh, forget it. I just won't try any. would it be great to know whether or not a particular religion, spiritual path, were authentic it's kind of jarring even in our hearing to suggest that one way is the true way isn't it because we don't hear that much in the public square how could we know which religion is right if any of them are right or if all of them are right and we have an open marketplace which one would you want to buy well some years ago My doctoral dissertation right here. And this doctoral dissertation included a project where I developed a consumer's guide to religious beliefs. Because back in the day, I think we were still in Redstone, um, I talked to everybody, not just church people. And I got all kinds of questions and all kinds of conversations. And I realized that people were kind of confused and they were sort of, well, why even care if they're all the same. And so I developed a a consumer's guide to religious beliefs, even made it to the paper uh, a couple of places, uh, involved over 100 unchurched people because I wanted to make sure that we were taking in this information from people who weren't just parroting Sunday school answers. And this this consumer guide to religious beliefs, here is the introduction. Um, It... uh, Developed a workbook. Look at that. That's dot matrix printing. Have you ever seen that? (laughs) Do you know what dial-up is? (laughs) Did all this on a fat Mac. Um, Using using this book, you can identify what you really believe about God, spiritual reality, religion, moral values, life after death, etc. How many of you think that you know what you believe about God and spiritual things. Well, most of us would be able to articulate at least a service-level answer, but I found that for most people, you go digging down below, and there's not much support there, not much underpinning. You'll sort through criteria you have used, consciously or not, to determine the validity of your religious ideas. You know, the... All religions are the same as like a buffet. And you know like when you go to a buffet. I mean, Golden Corral. I mean, who who loves Golden Corral? Oh, yeah. I cannot get my kids to take the grandkids there. I want to treat them to Golden Corral. Anyway, you go through Golden Corral. What What if you pick some things, but when you got through, there was stuff on your plate you didn't pick? Well, that's what's happening in the religious realm, the spiritual realm, is that a lot of beliefs that you have, you didn't necessarily pick them or choose them. They just kind of seeped in. Remember the force be with you? And how that has warped now into, if you can imagine it, the universe will bring it to you? Yeah, there are a lot of things in your spiritual basket that you may want to look at and analyze. Uh, This is an important process. Because people live out of their true spiritual beliefs. Not your Sunday school answer, but whatever your true spiritual belief is, you will live out of that. They may not live consistently with what they say they believe, but they live consistently with what they really believe about God. And unfortunately, most people haven't consciously chosen. I've observed people are much more thoughtful and discriminating when purchasing a toaster than when determining religious beliefs. Now I would say a um, cell, cell call provider, or, or something like, you know, toasters, kind of. Do you guys still have toasters? <laughs> well, when buying an appliance, people shop around and check out features and operation. They investigate, manufacture, integrity, reliability, read literature, and talk to the owners before making a purchase, right? I mean, if you're going to buy something that's a major purpose, you're going to check it out. <laughs> well, your spiritual beliefs are probably way beyond important in your life, more than any purchase you will ever make, but you probably have investigated them less than if you were to buy um, a coffee maker, something small. Uh, this guy, you remember uh, Scott Peck wrote uh, The Road Less Travel? Some of you have heard of that. He said it's essential because he's a psychiatrist that therapists arrive at the knowledge Uh, The worldview of patients it's always an essential part of their problems and a correction in their worldview. In other words, their spiritual beliefs is what motivates them, even unconsciously. They're often unaware of how they view the world and sometimes may even think they possess a certain kind of religion or faith when they're actually possessed by a different kind. How much thought have you given to your beliefs about God? And if some difficulty or problem or challenge were to come what would you discover that you had to rest upon so again i write it's vitally important that a person deliberately and thoughtfully choose the beliefs that make up spiritual foundation the presence of spiritual ideas is non-optional but you do have a choice about what they are you're going to want to choose wisely now why would people even be interested in spiritual beliefs or religion or god well, sociologists aren't really sure, but everybody is. It's universal uh, among humankind that there's some sort of curiosity, some kind of interest, some kind of motivation to understand what reality is all about, if there's someone there, and especially when personal needs come up, right? Because there are things that happen, and we realize it's going to take more than I have within me to deal with this situation, and so that's why it's very fortunate that we have the words of Jesus, where he didn't say, I'm the only way to heaven, but what he did say is even better. Turn to John 14. Hey, and by the way, do you guys have a study Bible? I mean, the paperback is fine, but, but you want a study Bible because the The top half of the page of a study Bible is is the Bible words. The bottom half tells you what it all means and where it came from. So you need one that you have really used. Can you tell this one's been used? You need a study Bible to grow deeper in your faith. John 14. This is in the upper room, the last night of Jesus' life. The next day he will be arrested. Well, that night he'll be arrested. The next day he will be crucified. And the disciples will be scattered. So what he says to them this night is so important. There's like three or four chapters here that take us through what happened and what he said that night in the upper room, preparing them for when he would be no longer with them in the flesh. Now, the disciples have just ridden in, walked in behind Jesus riding a donkey. They think this is going the right direction. This is going to be great. We're going to be great. And then Jesus tells them that he's going to be leaving them in chapter 13, and they can't believe it. They just cannot believe that Jesus is going to leave them. But this is what he says in chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But because it's true, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you with me so you also may be with me where I am. Then he says to the disciples, You know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus is the way not just to a place but to a person, to a relationship. The Father. Earlier he said, In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In the Jewish tradition of marriage, uh, the, the groom would ask for the bride's hand in marriage, and then they would have a glass of wine, and the groom would leave to go back to his own father's house, and there to add on a room where he would bring his wife after the marriage. This is as if Jesus got on one knee that night. This is a betrothal. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Think about that just for a moment. In my father's house. I wish I could take you to my daddy's house when he was alive. He was a a great rough around the edges guy. And if I could take you to my Dad's house when he was alive. My mother would brew some coffee and then we would pour some coffee. Dad would put cream in his. Some people had started putting uh, different flavors in their coffee at that time. My dad couldn't, he said, That's like perfume in a coffee. I'm not going to drink that. (laughs) So we would sit down and my dad would converse with you and you get to know my dad. Now, this is a very personal thing. Jesus is saying, In my Father's house, there's a room for everyone, and I'm going to prepare a room for you. So it's not the place that's important. It's the person. It's the presence of the Father in every room. The intimate presence of the Father is what Jesus is talking about here. And when he says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's not saying I'm going to teach you the way. He's not saying i got a a whole set of regulations for you to follow that is the way. He is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Everyone who comes through me can come to the Father jesus by his death on the cross when he suffered for our sins and paid the penalty when he rose from the grave triumphantly he made the way through him to the father now why is that important jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father nowadays if you go to a funeral you'll hear all kinds of stories and descriptions of heaven, right? There aren't many of those descriptions that include anything about the presence of the Father. In fact, primarily it talks about old George. You know, he's up there, he's snowmobiling on the clouds. You know, he's fishing, they're doing this. (coughs) We'll get to that in just a moment, but heaven is primarily a presence, Heaven is primarily the presence of the creator of the universe. If you like the universe, how do you think you would like the maker? How would you like to sit down and hear how that was made? How would you like to see the awesome majesty of the creator? Well, that's what, it, that's what heaven is. I always tell people, you know, I don't think so-and-so is really fishing or snowmobiling. I believe that when a person first arrives at the Father's house, that they are mesmerized, maybe for a thousand years, just by looking into the face of pure love, creativity, power, and majesty in the face of Jesus. Feeling more love than you have ever felt before in your life, knowing inside and out, through and through, that you were bought with a price, that God loves you. Jesus laid his life down for you, and you are there because of what he did, not because of what you've done. Gazing into the presence, into the eyes of the Father. That's what Jesus said. Well, what else is available on the market? If you want to shop the market of religions, what other kind of gods are there? Well, probably 2 billion people on the planet right now, would describe to you what we would call God as impersonal, non-personal, like a force, but not that defined. In the Eastern Asian religions, this impersonal, not even a being, is sort of in and everything. But there's no relationship with that entity. There's no warmth. There's no love. There's certainly no grace. Have you heard of karma? Have you ever heard of getting out of karma? Have you ever heard of any being letting you slip through without paying for karma? No. Because karma, according to these religions, is a mechanized process of grinding so that whatever you do, you will pay for. And if you don't live long enough in this life to pay for it, you'll pay for it in the next. Now, you won't know what you did previously to cause all the problem in this one, but you're going to pay for it. It may take several. It may take several of your lifetimes to be able to understand what you did and how to pay for it. Is that different than what you discover about the Father? What's, what's different about our Father God than the karma that grinds us, than the indifference of the universe to who we are? No personal relationship. In some of the other religions, there is a personal God, but not a very appetizing character, pretty strict, just looking for a chance to punish you, and all kinds of rules to follow. But I'm not making this up. You do not know until after you die whether or not you have made it, whether or not you have checked off enough of the boxes on the regulation form to be able to get to whatever is beyond, not with the presence of a person, but a what, a paradise, a uh, state of being, but, but not the presence of the Father. But you don't know. What's different about Jesus and the Father? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we were able to depict the various religions of the world, we would be able to draw a line, and on the one side, impersonal being, Impersonal, over here. Christianity would be over here with the personal. And then we'll be able to designate which ones are performance-based religion. All of them. Even Christianity. But it's not based on your performance. It's based upon His. I heard what someone say, you know, it's not so important when you see God that you have to answer for or stand there before God based on the previous worst three things that you've ever done. When you stand before God in Christ, you will be standing there based upon the best three things Jesus has ever done for you. That's how we stand clean before God. Not performance-based, not rules, not religion, but grace. If you have your Bible turn to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2, Paul describes the process by which we are saved, the process by which the way is open for us to enjoy fellowship with the Father through Christ. <clears throat> we we sort of take this for granted nowadays. Americans kind of take heaven for granted. But when Paul wrote this, when Jesus died, when he rose again, this was cataclysmic. This was absolutely beyond what anyone had ever thought possible. Do you know what it took to be okay with the Roman or Greek gods? I mean, you did not want to disturb them. They were not pleasant characters. If, if you made noise, if you bothered them, earthquakes come in your wake, fire, and you had to take a sacrifice. In fact, the whole town <clears throat> would have to sacrifice with a pinch of incense to be able to get the God's approval to have good crops. Now, at that time of existence around the world, there were many other pagan religions that thought that there was a God of the wind, there was a God of the rain, there was a God of the sun, there was a God of the this, a God of the that. And you had to please all of them. And if you forgot to cross one of your T's or dot an I, you could have a crop failure. You see, the gods that existed, that people thought about, and even to this day, are not benevolent toward us. They're looking for a reason to exclude us or to punish us. Except Ephesians 2, verse 4. The previous verses talk about how we have deserved to be walled off from God, to be away from Him, but because of His great love for us. And I can tell you, there was not a phrase in literature at this time that would describe these kinds of words to any God at all. Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, are you kidding me? Rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let those words soak into you. Waiting for you, not just after you die, but certainly then, is not a nervous at, did I make it, am I going to make it, is there anything, is there anyone? But there is a welcoming into the presence of your heavenly Father where he wants to lavish upon you, whatever it means here, his grace expressed in his kindness. I'll take some of that. Wow. Think about that as a personal benefit, personal presence. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by your works, so no one can boast. Can you imagine on the market of religion, spirituality, that this would appear and be offered to people in the world. If all were true, I would take the freebie because Jesus Christ paid the price for me. What else do you have to look forward to? An existence with the Father enmeshed in His love? Or facing a uh, moody being who won't let you know whether or not you made it till you get there. It's too late. Or an impersonal. The Asian religions would tell you that, yes, there are rules to follow. There are regulations to follow. And if you don't follow those, karma certainly will impose on you the punishment in this life, the next life, the next life. In fact, it may take a thousand lives for you to get it right. And every one of those lives, you would be someone else, not knowing who you were before, until finally when you get it right, you would be nobody. Because the very ultimate offer of the Asian religions is that like a drop of water coming down the river, you would be absorbed into the ocean and you would lose your identity, whatever that identity is, the Atman, the soul that has not been recognized in those thousands of lives. Wouldn't you rather come home to the Father? Wouldn't you rather have the comfort as you would face the end of this life that I have believed in Jesus and that through Him, because of my faith and what He did for me, He died for me that I am now have it settled and for the rest of this life. I can live confidently. I can live with assurance. I can live with his presence in this life to give me what I need beyond my own frail abilities to meet my needs. And then when I face him and when I'm welcomed into his home, into the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for me, just for me, And they're the presence of the Father. And to know that I have secured that, not because of my works, but simply because of where I placed my faith. In a loving God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for me and rise again. Now, there may be some of you here today, and you're really unresolved on all of this. You've sort of been out there, and you've been put off by all the different claims of religions and You've been unwilling to really make a commitment one way or the other, but because it's America, you feel like, well, unless I change religions, I'm probably a Christian. When in actuality, it takes a personal decision, a placement of your faith to say that in all of the confusion, there's clarity because of what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone can come to the Father through me. And if you want to have that assurance, and today that stability, that security in this life and the next, I want to offer you an opportunity just to say to God, Father God, thank you that you are a father. Thank you you sent Jesus to die for me. I receive his gift in place of me trying to work it out at all and trying to earn it. I receive salvation through Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being my Father, and someday I will join you in that place that Jesus has prepared for me. I want to offer you a moment in silence just to kind of go over that in your mind and It sounds like it's impossible, but God takes your decision seriously. It will determine your eternal outcome. Let me just ask you in this silence in your own mind just to say, Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that he died for me, that I'm forgiven and restored to a relationship with you. I believe that Jesus died for me, rose from the grave. I look forward to loving you and being loved by you in this life and the next. In Jesus' name. Hey, keep your heads bowed for a moment. If you prayed that prayer, if that was clarity for you, maybe for the first time, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. If today you prayed that, Thank you. And you made that decision that on the market of religion, you were going to go through Jesus to the Father. And if you didn't make that decision a moment ago while we talked, this afternoon, on your own, wherever you are, look up. Thank you, Father. I believe Jesus died for me. Amen. These...